gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to the court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no, Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak to you in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I've heard it said that today's Gospel lesson is something of a head-scratcher. Frankly, I feel more strongly than that. I think that today's gospel lesson has the, the capability, the possibility of being harmful. It can be harmful emotionally, it can be harmful psychologically, it can be harmful spiritually. And this point was demonstrated to me in a vivid fashion some time ago in a Bible study I was in at the time. We met weekly, and, and we, the, the process was whatever we were part of the Bible we were studying, somebody would read a passage, and then we would have kind of a free-flowing discussion, and we rotated the readers. But on this particular day, 
uh, we came to this same passage we read just a few minutes ago. And the uh, man, it was a man who was reading it. When he got through reading it, he put his Bible down. He looked up at the rest of us and said, well, I'm in trouble. I violated every one of these. The problem is I could feel the pain in his voice. And it pained me to hear it because, you see, if we want to really dig deep into what Jesus is saying here, asking us to do, the reality is it is impossible. It is absolutely impossible to every time do everything Jesus tells us to do or not do in today's passage. It is impractical. So today what I want to do is I want to spend just a moment or two illustrating with one of the examples the impossibility, and then once we get past that, I think we can talk about what Jesus is asking of us, what he's really about here. Now Jesus addresses four subjects today, and the first is anger. Jesus says, you know, if you're at the altar and suddenly it comes to you that you've still got an unreconciled dispute with another man or woman, immediately go and reconcile that dispute and then come back. Now, when we read things like this, we all have a visual image, don't we? And my guess is your image is much like mine. There I am, kneeling at the altar in prayer, my hands outstretched, my eyes closed, waiting for the priest, the really good-looking, smart, uh, sensitive priest. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's for my benefit. Uh, <laughs> waiting for the priest to come by and give me the bread, give me the body of Christ, when suddenly it springs into my mind, that neighbor of mine, that guy three doors down, the guy with the dog, the dog he lets run wild, the dog who poops in my front yard two or three times every week. I've got a dispute with that guy. So what am I supposed to do? Stay up here? No. Spring in action. I hurl myself out of, the, out of the parish, go through the front doors running, not walking, mind you, jump in my car and speed to his house. And then what I do? I jump out of the car, go to his front door. you about that dog. Mortimer never goes to church, so I know he's still asleep. <laughs> Mortimer, get up. We've got to reconcile. No answer. Now what do I do? Well, you know what I do. I run to the back door. <laughs> Mortimer, get your sorry self out of bed. We've got to reconcile. Okay. There's a couple of problems here. <laughs> At least a couple. The first is, that's probably not the best way to try to reconcile. It's probably going to make things worse. But a more foundational problem is this. Jesus was not talking to a room full of Episcopalians. He was talking to first century Jews. And when Jesus was talking about an altar, he wasn't talking about an altar like this. He was talking about the altar at the temple where people came and brought their gift. Did you notice he said gift? 
Jesus isn't talking about the check we make out to fulfill our pledge. He's talking about living animals that are brought for sacrifice. A year-old lamb, an unblemished goat, two pigeons. Now, wait a minute. If you're a first-century Jew and you're listening to this and you say, hear Jesus say, leave the goat or the lamb or the birds there and go reconcile and then come back and give your gift. Wait a minute. That ain't going to happen. You're going to walk out of there for two or three or four hours and come back, and your lamb or your goat or your pigeon is not going to be there. They've either walked away or flown away or somebody's taken them. So every first century Jew listening to this knew Jesus was engaging in hyperbole. Jesus was using an absurd exaggeration to make a point. This is something we all do. I have told you a million times. We haven't actually said anything a million times. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. No, you can't. <laughs> if you want something a little more literary, Mark Twain once had one of his characters say, I was so scared I was quaking head to foot. And you could have hung my head on my eyes. They were, they were bulging so much. Well, of course, that's hyperbole. But it makes a point, doesn't it? And so every Jew listening to this that day understood that Jesus was making a point that he was not asking to be taken literally. And so the first thing for you and me to understand about today's gospel lesson is Jesus is not speaking literally. So once we get past that, all right, so what is Jesus trying to do? If the hyperbole is to make a point, where's he going with this? Well, notice that Jesus, in each of these four examples, is talking about relationship. And here he's not talking about relationship between us and God He's talking about relationship and relationships among us. Think about it. Each of the four things Jesus talks about here, anger, lust, divorce, honesty, they're all about how we treat each other. And the point Jesus is making here is Jesus wants us to reevaluate our relationships and make them Move them, if you will, closer to how God envisions our relationships with each other, how we should treat each other. And once we see this is what's going on here, it's hyperbole and it's about relationships among ourselves, things become a little clearer, don't they? And by the way, there's a point to be made here too. Too often, I think far too often, People envision the Bible as a how-to book, specifically how to get to heaven. Well, in reality, Jesus and God have already taken care of that. We're all going to be there, folks. But in the meantime, we're here. You see, Jesus actually spends a whole lot more time talking about how we should treat each other that he does talking about how to get to heaven. 
Because God cares about this earth. God cares about how we treat each other. And God wants us to be more like God envisioned us to be in the first place. So all this begins to make sense, I think, when you realize we got hyperbole and we're talking about relationships. We're not talking about getting to heaven. We're talking about living together. And still, I think because of our society and where we are today, there is one of these topics that we need to pause and talk about and talk about it very plainly. It's the subject of divorce. The reality is, and we all know this, that divorce is so prevalent in our society that I'm willing to bet there is not a person in this room who hasn't been touched by divorce, either by going through it personally or living through it, if you will, with a close family member or close friend. And so every single person here knows that every divorce carries with it its own, its own unique pain. In order for us to understand what Jesus is saying about this sensitive topic, we need to go back again to context. And remember, Jesus is speaking in the first century. In the first century, the sad but real fact is this, that women were not really considered second-class citizens. Women, for the most part, were considered to be chattel, possessions, And like any chattel, like any possession, when it had outlived its usefulness to the owner, it could be discarded. If a man is married in that day and age and wants to be divorced, he can get divorced for any good reason, any bad reason, or no reason at all. On the other hand, a woman could could become get divorced only for a very limited number of reasons. And so in that age, in that society, marriage, women, as I say, largely seen as disposable. And the sad truth is there is a parallel today. In the secular world, marriage is largely seen as disposable as one of those ubiquitous Starbucks cups. When the contents of the cup are no longer useful to you, you just throw it away. And this point was made to me vividly, frankly, quite a while ago. I was a junior in high school, as I said, quite a while ago. And I was on the track team. And um, one of the young teachers was the assistant coach. And this guy, this guy, uh, all of us, I went to an all-boys school. All of us thought this guy was kind of cool and kind of hip. So uh, we had a break in track, track practice one day, and I just wanted to talk to him. So I walked up to him and said, hey. I said, so? He just got engaged. And I said, so, are you nervous about getting married? And what he said, I'll never forget. And it shocked even a 17-year-old mind, 17-year-old sensibility. He said, nah, I'm not too worried about it. I figure if it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. Marriage as disposable. Friends, that was literally 50 years ago. And that attitude has only become more and more prevalent in our society. 
So the first thing we should take from today's lesson is Jesus, make no mistake about it, absolutely condemns that attitude towards marriage and towards divorce. For Jesus, marriage is not disposable. Marriage is sacred. Marriage is holy. Marriage was ordained by God. And it is a re- there's a reason it is one of our sacraments. And so for Jesus, marriage is to be held gently and at the same time guarded ferociously. And at the same time, Jesus would never, Jesus would never condone unnecessary suffering. And here I'm brought to mind something my favorite professor in seminary said. This is one of those guys about whom I would like to say he had, has uncommon common sense. And talking in class one day about the subject of marriage and divorce, he said, he said divorce is absolutely proper when divorce acts as a funeral for a dead marriage. Divorce is proper when it is a funeral for a dead marriage. And marriages can die for any number of reasons. There can be abuse, physical and emotional, or emotional, by one spouse against the other. There can be infidelity that simply can't be overcome. And yes, there are times when, despite all best efforts, and that's an important qualifier, despite all best efforts, the couple has gotten to the point where they truly can no longer live together. In any event, when a marriage is truly dead, to continue to in that, in that marriage is to continue to walk down a path whose only destination is suffering. Suffering for the, the couple in the marriage and suffering for the friends and family around them. And Jesus would never condone that either. And so, it is a mistake. I want to say this as clearly as possible. It is a mistake for anybody to say that this gospel lesson tells us that Jesus forbids divorce even in the case of a dead marriage. That's not right. That's not right. Now, a few minutes ago, I invoked the notion of getting to heaven. And I'm, I don't need to think, take a poll here. I think I can say with great confidence that we all want to get to heaven. Do I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Like I said, that's already taken care of. Meanwhile, God wants this place to reflect heaven. And no, we cannot, you and I cannot create heaven on earth. But my goodness, we can push this world closer to a true reflection of heaven. And what Jesus is saying here today, this starts by working on our relationships. And these are relationships at all levels. These are relationships between nations. These are relationships between leaders of nations relationships between states and communities within communities. But it all starts with us. It all starts with you and me and our relationships in this room. 
Our relationships with those at work, our relationships with those that we socialize, and, and most importantly, I would suggest those relationships with people we don't really like, the people we do have disputes. Jesus is asking that we reevaluate those relationships and put them more like they should be in God's eyes, more like God wants us to live with each other. As I've reflected on this in the last few days, and as I reflect on it as I say it now, it strikes me that I need to reevaluate a few of my relationships. I need to do some work on a few of my relationships. How about you? Amen.